If you're applying to PA school in the 2024-2025 cycle, then I need you to know about our Pre-PA Academy. This is a group coaching program that I have wanted to start for so long and I am pumped. So from February to October of this cycle, we will be working as a cohort through the entire application process. The way that Academy works is we'll have three to four weekly sessions with myself and the other PA platform coaches where we will be teaching and doing group work and live personal statement editing, live mock interviews, question and answer, office hours, virtual shadowing, and just walking you through this entire PA school application process. We're going to start from your personal statement, choosing the programs, making a school list, getting your application ready before it opens in April on CASPA to getting you ready for interviews, what to do if you're hearing back, what to do if you're not. This is like our webinar series, but so much more intimate. Talking to students who have joined the program, it really seems like they are most excited for the accountability, the support, and the community through this process, and that is exactly what I wanted to offer. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I promise. And we're just going to have a good time getting to know each other and working through it together and learning from each other. I want you guys to learn from each other in the program. You can sign up at any time. The code, if you want $50 off of your registration, is HELLO24. And we would love to have you as part of our first cohort of Pre-PA Academy for this upcoming cycle. We always love getting to hear from faculty, and that's what I have for you today. We're going to hear from Laurel Miller, an assistant professor at Point Loma Nazarene University. And she has great insights into everything you need to know for this application process. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. I want to tell you about this week's sponsor of the podcast, Picmonic. If you are just starting PA school or maybe you even have a whole semester under your belt at this point and you're still trying to figure out what the best way to study is for you and what resources to use, highly recommend looking into Picmonic. This is a great resource because it combines a lot of different learning styles. You have these quick two-minute videos where you're being told a story, you're listening, you're watching, you're learning about these characters to help you understand and remember all of the facts that you're learning during PA school. It's a lot and we know that, so it's really helpful to reinforce what you're learning and then you can track your progress by doing tons of different review multiple choice quizzes to make sure that information is sticking. I think that's one of the biggest things that helps you be successful in PA school is making sure that you not only know the information, but that you can apply it. So by repeating this information, you'll really feel like you are reviewing the appropriate info at the right time, and you can choose the subjects you want to learn about, you can review things throughout your time during PA school. So the question banks are exactly what you're going to need and they're gonna test the knowledge in the same way that you're gonna to need to know it for boards. So it covers everything that you'll be tested on and is a great resource to use throughout PA school. 
we have some blog posts about Picmonic, and you can check out their videos. We'll put information in the description on how to sign up or at least look into it and see if it's a good fit for you. Use the code the PA platform for 20% off at checkout. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I'm Savannah Perry, your host and resident dermatology PA, pre-PA coach, whatever you want to call me. You may hear my sidekick with me today, my little seven-week-old sidekick helping me out with podcast recording. Uh, I just had my second baby, so I'm on maternity leave right now, going back to work uh, later in a month or so. So we're getting some quality time in, and if you follow me on social media, sometimes I share some little sneak peeks of, of him um, just being cute and being a baby. But today's episode will be so good. We're going to hear from Laurel Miller. She's a PA who works at Point Loma Nazarene University as an assistant professor, and she has worked in multiple different areas and specialties as a PA and then moving into academics. So we um, just talk about that, talk about what programs are looking for, what she sees students struggling with, and you know, that insider look into PA schools, I think is what we all want to hear about to make sure you're on track and that you can do as much as possible to make yourself, you know, what schools are looking for and to see if a school's a good fit and learn about how to do that. So that's our goal. We love having faculty on our podcast to share with you guys. So this is a really great interview and episode that I think you will enjoy. We'll get into that in just a couple seconds. I wanted to update you on some things coming up. So we, it's August right now. If you're listening in real time, we are right in the middle of interview season. It is definitely picking up. So we are happy to help with mock interviews. We have the PA school interview guide. And just don't forget, you can use that code FUTUREPA for a discount on any of our services on the paplatform.com. If you ever are trying to schedule an interview and don't see a time that works for you, please send us an email and our coaches are happy to accommodate. We'll try to make it work for you. We know sometimes these invites can come a little last minute and we don't want you to miss out on practice because of that. We are doing a webinar that is coming up on August 24th. It'll be at 8 p.m. That's a Thursday. This webinar I'm so excited for. It is going to be an FAQ, but we are revealing something we've been working on very hard for a while now that is just like revolutionary and will make your life so much easier. I'm so excited. I use it a lot now, and then you're going to get to use it. Ah, it's going to be so cool. So. All right, hey, like it's I can't I can't talk about more. I'll reveal it. I'm terrible at keeping secrets. So, anyway, August twenty fourth, be there, and then if you follow on follow along on social media, we will be posting about it as well. And yeah, it's gonna be good. So that's gonna be also just general FAQ. So answering questions. Uh, those can get a little crazy if you've been to one before, but we'd love to have you and try to get your questions answered and shed some light on this crazy process. Uh, we also have MapCon coming up. I've mentioned that that I'm speaking at in October in Baltimore. If you're going back to school to your pre-PA clubs, uh, we would love, you know, like if a group of you came, we're planning some meetups, some pre-PA meetups for Friday and Saturday. 
Um, if you want more info on that, just email me and we'll add you to the list to make sure that you know all the details when it's time for that. And it's going to be a good time. All right, we'll jump into our interview. And as always, feel free to reach out, send me an email, reach out on social media. I would love to hear from you, especially if you're listening to the podcast. And I will see you guys next week. Yeah. So my name is Laurel Miller. I'm currently a professor at Point Loma Nazarene University, our first PA school in San Diego. Finally got PA education down here. Um, and we'll be graduating our first class this year. So I'm learning a lot in that respect. But I'm definitely a clinician learning to be an academic um, person. So my love is being a clinician. And so I've been a PA since 2009. I graduated from USC, so state in California. And um, have always worked in emergency medicine and also at the same time worked in family practice. So mostly specializing in women's health within family practice. So cool. it's been that great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely want to hear more about how you got into academics. Um, but going back, what kind of brought you to the PA profession? How did you find out about it? What took you on that path? Yeah. In undergrad, well, um, I'm sure many people listening are in this same space, but trying to find those spaces to volunteer and to get um, into an area of medicine. I was doing some research in the emergency room um, in Fresno where I was doing my undergrad and met a PA. So I was always pre-med going towards medicine, um, but that was kind of this big global picture. Didn't quite know where within medicine I was going. So I met a PA. Um, He was great. I didn't realize he what a PA was. I had never met a physician assistant before. Um, So I asked him a lot of questions and he was really helpful. He ended up writing one of my recommendation letters because I stuck really close to him with all the shifts I kept doing in the ER. Um, So I was, I was one of those students where any, any opportunity um, I took it. So it was, Hey, we, I mean, we need someone helping on Friday night. I was like, great, I'll be there. Can I come early? Um, Is it just, you know, all of those experiences and being around people that are in medicine help shape um, what you want to do. And we're all different. And so we find that by talking to different people. So he was the first PA. And then I met several others and um, also had a lot of physician friends. And so kept kind of going back and forth and filled out, like I'm sure many people do too. It's like, which, which way is the best way? I don't know if there is a best way. It's just the way that you choose. And then you make that. Um, you own that decision and keep going forward. So I filled out a, a DO application and PA and then never submitted the, the DO um, for whatever reason, you know, just a lot of, of self-reflection and thinking. And yeah. um, I'm really happy with what I chose. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's common that back and forth. And then I think you kind of explained it like you have the I think it's a common pre-PA mentality of like, I want to do it all. And like, yes, I'll be there. And, you know, I think PAs tend to be like go-getters, which I appreciate. Um, But so um, when it came time to, you know, you decided on PA and moved towards the profession, um, how has the application process changed since you think you applied versus now? Yeah, I can remember applying and um, it wasn't, people had to have a really high number of hours, clinical hours. 
And so those were hard to find in a space of that in between of graduating, getting your bachelor's, not yet having a lot of um, experience to get a great clinical job, but then wanting to be a PA. So it's where do you get those hours? So that was the hours are really high. I feel like those have come down a little bit um, just to accommodate the large amount of people coming straight out of, of school. Um, there's a little bit more of an attitude when I applied of, you know, you need to, you, we aren't taking people straight out of, of undergrad, um, go and go and get some experience, go get your feet wet. So we definitely, I know at our school have, have accepted, um, coming out of undergrad. Most people though, still have a few years, I think just as a personal decision to want to work in some area of medicine before kind of solidifying what they want to do. Um, Another huge change is definitely all the online changes. So the yeah. the interview process is definitely different. Um, I remember, you know, it's a lot to go somewhere physically to interview for every school that that you are applying to. So um, I think that's a good change because it allows a lot more people to to look at multiple schools and not have to choose where do I want to put my money uh, to to get to a school. Yeah. Are you also doing virtual? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. I think most of the I'm on the East Coast. And I think a lot of the schools are in the are still doing virtual also. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's very interesting that switch because I think pre pre 2020, I don't think a lot of programs would have been on board with that. But it actually yeah. gives a lot more flexibility to everybody. Um, yeah. One of my colleagues is doing just finished a study on you know, whether, whether inter- virtual interviews are effective, whether students like them, whether faculty like them, and kind of overall, the overarching was, yes, let's keep the virtual interviews. There's ways to find out um, what you need to about an applicant. The applicants can still feel connected to a school. And if they're, if they really like that school, then there's going to be options of coming and visiting in person and uh, figuring out post interview. So, yeah. Good bet. Yeah. And it, I, I think there's a comfort level too. So one of my medical assistants um, recently had an interview that was virtual and it was funny though. Cause she was like, I don't want to do it at home. I'll be too comfy. I got to like, <laughs> she came to the office and did it in the physician's <laughs> office. Cause she was just like, I can't do it at my house. Um, so I thought that was funny. She was like, it's just too, like, that's too weird. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like, okay, yeah. um, that's interesting. So when you got into, I know you said you're like, first and foremost, a clinician, did you see yourself getting into academics or was that something that just kind of evolved? Yeah, I think leadership was always um, a space I wanted and uh, um, kind of gravitated towards, whether it was in a clinical scenario being, you know, one of the lead PAs or being in meetings with some people making decisions. Um, But from an early start, I started having student shadows. And, you know, that's a, that's a, an area schools are always looking for, you know, it's easy to graduate and then want to go work and forget that there's lots of other people behind you needing training and needing to see, especially now what, um, you know, real it, learning hands-on. So I started having students and loved teaching from a clinical side um, in whatever area I was working in. And we didn't have a program in San Diego. So a colleague of mine said, you know, let's, would you be interested in starting even the conversation with a local university to help them get a program? It's like, yes, not seeing like, you know, the trajectory wasn't let's help them and then I can get hired. But um, 
So I started learning a lot about academics, the other side of academics, not the just uh, teaching diagnostics and hands-on skills, but all of the other development of curriculum, the critical learning, the critical reasoning that happens. How do you how do you make an effective clinician teaching wise? And um, there's a lot that goes into it, and just the the all the policies behind academics and all the administration side of of what happens behind the the classroom learning, and that was really interesting. So slowly, once the the program was accepted and we did start um, interviewing for positions, uh, we hired an incredible director who um, thankfully said, hey, I want want you to stay on. I will teach you everything I know, which was such a gift. And um, and that's how that's how I ended up in it. So and that's also you can translate into, you know, in a medical scenario too, sometimes hiring a new grad is great because you can train them exactly how how you want them to work in that environment. And that's kind of how it worked here too. It was like, let's, let's, you know, home grow a team that we all work together and we're all on the same page. Um, it's been a, a really great thing developing in the program. So, And I still worked um, clinically a little bit. And one of my favorite things now is to pick up shifts where my students are working and see the product of what we've yeah. been teaching. And, and it's been really fun seeing them um, in a clinician role. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we, I think one of the biggest compliments I got as a PA after I graduated was I had three different faculty members refer patients to me. And I was like, this is that's so cool. cool. Like, this is very full circle. Like, oh. clearly, you know, they trust me and think we both did a good job. Uh, so that was really cool whenever, whenever that happened. That is, yeah, it's great. Yeah, because looking at them, I'm like, these are my future colleagues and yeah um, I want to train people that I trust and would refer to and so that's great how fun yeah it was really cool um so thinking about so I think it's interesting for pre-PA students because that's a lot of who I'm talking to most of the time um who maybe don't understand or see everything that goes into creating a PA program and understand Mm -hmm. how extensive and um, complex that process is. And I think mm-hmm. PA schools are so, um, there's just so so many check marks that have to happen before a program can kind of take off. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. like when, when a student is looking at maybe a newer program, someone that's provisional or in their first couple of years, what kind of things should they be looking for or asking? Should they have any reservations about that program or are there benefits to that? Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of questions about this because currently we're provisional accreditation. So what that means is you have to, you have to go through five years as a program before you can be fully accredited. So there wasn't anything wrong that happened. Um, It's just kind of the standard you're provisionally accredited. It means you pass the first part of accreditation, which is great. If you if a program doesn't pass the first accreditation application, no one will be able to apply to them. Sometimes you have to look for if a program is under um, probation. It it means some you know there was something on their accreditation that is being looked at closely. Not all of those are bad. Sometimes it's you know having um, different clinical sites, and so we're we're lucky to have a board um, that looks really carefully at every program to make sure everything is in line. Um, you know, do you have the appropriate sites? Are students learning 
um, under people that are trustworthy? What are you teaching everything under our standards? Are you covering every you know organ system? How are you assessing students? So it's very, um, we could have an hour long conversation about accreditation, <laughs> but currently we're under our second um, second accreditation application. So in the first five years, a program will un- will go through three different applications. So those that a new program is under a lot of, of a microscopic look. Um, so the second application looks at, okay, you said you were going to do this. How are you doing it? What, how are students performing? How are you assessing them? So students can feel, I'm sure, very um, micromanaged or like, why are we doing another survey? Why are we being tested on this? Why this seems like busy work. This seems like, you know, why do I have to learn this in the program? But everything a PA, most PA programs do, I know we do, comes from standards that are put out that say you must teach these things and you must assess them. So that assessing is a little bit left up to the individual university um, and program, but that that's it comes from somewhere that we're being told to to do these things. So yeah, um, yeah and the standards change this year. So a lot of programs that have been established for years and years are having to re- revamp their program and look at their curriculum again, which is challenging for something that it's like, we've done this for 15 years. How are we going to include this and this and diversity and all the equity stuff that's coming in, um, new standards about bedside manner and uh, cultural you know, competency and humility, all of those things, professionalism. So there's a lot of new stuff that's coming out um, that all programs are being held to, not just new programs. But that's a big question for for applicants is do is it is it safe to apply to a program that is provisional accredited and a brand new program that hasn't received pro, provisional accreditation that is that's a little risky um, so look at their leadership where does their leadership come from where does the medical or the program director what's what's their history have they opened programs before that were successful um, where does the other faculty come from and Usually people with experience, they know what to do in, in opening another program. Mm-hmm. Um, but once a school is provisionally accredited, um, anybody can go on probation, but it's it's more of a likelihood they're, they're on the right track. They've passed through the, the first iron gates and um, it's not much of a wor- as much of a worry in that. Yeah. When I've heard from students who have gone to provisional programs, some of them really like it because because they feel like they're kind of part of that foundation and able to kind of build that program and give feedback. Mm-hmm. And maybe their feedback is a little bit more well-received than a very established program that has been doing things the same way for a long time. Um, so yes. I've heard I've heard a lot of students really enjoy going to to newer programs and have had great experiences. Um, and I try to remind students too. I went to a very established program that had been around since I think the seventies and they still change things every year. Like, and they're just trying to get better and keep up with the standards and make sure that everything is the best it can be for the students. And sometimes that's changing the schedule or changing the way things are taught or organized. And so we were, you know, very flexible throughout PA school with, with a lot of that. Um, So thinking about people who are wanting to go to PA school, um, what do you feel like 
makes a PA school applicant stand out either in the application process or interviews? What kind of gives you an idea of someone who would be successful in PA school? Yeah, there's a, I mean, that's a, it's a big question, but I think it kind of boils down to, we've seen a, hundreds of applicants now in the interview side of things, thousands in the, in the paper side of things, but to actually meet students. And I think the thing that stands out the most is professionalism. So it's a huge thing, as you know, working clinically, sometimes your, your reputation and your professionalism supersedes your clinical ability, which is crazy, but there are people that will not get a referral that are so intelligent, but based on, on how they present themselves. So show up to an interview or any, anything that you're corresponding with a school with, um, a high, the highest level of professionalism you can. Um, I don't think that you can be too professional, too dressed well, you know, all of too polite on an email, say, thank you. Um, make sure to address people the right way in an email. Um, not one where, you know, different things that, that, um, that will make you stand out a little bit. Oh, this person's really professional and polite. And then another thing that stands out is just someone that, um, has a little bit of life experience and some grit behind them of why they're choosing what they're doing. And you know, they can make it through a really hard program. And that doesn't have to mean that people have gone through a horrible situation in life, but um, I think anyone, everyone's situation will be different. It's how you spin it. So if you can talk about how your biochem class was really hard and how you got through it, great. If you can talk about your mom who struggled with cancer, okay, that's your story, but how, how has it made you stronger? And then how have you, have you grown from it and now left behind it, not still struggling with it? Um, it's just showing some grit in, in any area because PA school is hard, you know, so there's a, a lot of information at once and for a long period of time, um, having to do things in front of cameras and in front of people and then go on and do them in a clinical year on real people. It's a lot. So, um, yeah you know, what can make you resilient during that time? And how can you communicate that to an admissions team in first in your writing? And then if you get an interview. So that's great advice. And I love your point on professionalism. I'd like to echo that for anyone shadowing or just emailing PAs. Uh, Yeah, we've, I've had some interesting emails come through. We've had some interesting (laughs) shadowing experiences. Um, at my old my old office, we had someone show up in jean shorts to shadow. <laughs> the doctor was like, "I'm so sorry, like you gotta go." Um, yes, yeah, like you know, just things like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's definitely. And you wouldn't think it happens, but it, it happens. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. People have shown up in our office in things that I'm like, and I think <laughs> I, I've I've gotten better at saying like, you know, this what you're wearing is inappropriate. I care about you as in your future of your professional life. You can never show up in something like that again. It's like, Oh my goodness. I didn't know. So correct your, correct your uh, friends and your colleagues, but um, yeah, Yeah. definitely professionalism. Yeah. It's something we keep talking about. So uh, yeah. Um, So thinking about PA school, was there any specific area that you struggled with in PA school or any areas that you see students struggling the most? I think the way students study 
changes in PA school and we tell them that in the beginning right and um it's almost like you have to go through it to go oh you're right I I need to change the way I study um traditionally in undergrad or even you know other master's programs you memorize all the materials like I'll take my take my powerpoint I'll rewrite it and then I'll rewrite it again and then I'll say it and I, I need to learn it for the test and then it's gone and then I move on but in, in PA school, it's like, no, every single thing you learn builds on itself. And then we refer back to it. And you have another patient, another case that had something from that previous you know, test that you just learned. You need to keep it. Um, that's how do you learn it for, for using in your career is different. So it's, it's, you can't, there's no one book that's going to tell students everything. They're all on the search for it, but it doesn't exist of, you know, what's that one book that will tell me everything? Nope, there's not. You personally have to research everything that's on those objectives and then come back and you can write your cliff notes or you can use the cliff note version of a book. But if you don't understand what they're saying in, you know, a list type of format of each disorder, there it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, clinically, you want to be able to to describe why you're ordering a test or what that result means from a pathophysiology Um you know, mindset. So, um, yeah, the, the study is, is definitely different in PA school. And I learned that, um, I remember creating a group and, and, and relying on my, like a close group of friends to get work done. Cause I knew I couldn't handle all of it myself. And so it's learning to work as a team, even as a PA student before you're working as a team, as a PA, um, of, of holding each other accountable and uh, doing work together and researching things together. Um, yeah, I didn't, a lot of students are really nervous about something we call OSCEs. So is that post-traumatic for you to hear that word? Oh yeah. I, mean, I like, see, I loved the practice stuff. Like I, I feel like that made everything more real. Like it, it for me, like solidified it mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, it was stressful, but I, I liked the hands-on more than the, in the books. So, yes. I yes. Like and awesome. you're right. There's, there's that student that's like, let me do it. Right. Yes. And then there's the, I need more information. I will yeah. never know it all. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for students too, is we have lots, every PA uh-huh. student is a type A high achieving, want to do well. No one comes into PA school saying, you know, eh, I'll just squeak by. So yeah. everyone wants to know more about every disorder they learn about, and there's just not enough time. That's where you'll, when you get a job someday, you can spend your whole career researching things. Um, and so realizing like, I, I'm going to learn as much as I can, and then I'm going to move on. Um, but OSCEs, yeah, being being filmed, I think is, a, is hard for a lot of people. I don't want to watch myself. I don't want to hear myself. Um, you know, I, and and having to interact with a patient and be graded is really challenging, but they do so well and grow so much, you know, watching from the beginning to the end. Yeah. It's really fun to see that that transition. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's kind of the question of I get a lot is like, I don't feel ready for clinicals. I don't feel ready for rotations. Is that normal? And I'm like, 100 percent. You will never <laughs> feel ready learning from a book like you just got to go do it. And then you'll realize you know more than you think you know, and you'll learn so much, like so much. Yeah. So much. And these students you're talking to are mostly pre-PA, right? So yeah, and, and then it'll be like the pre-PA students who have gotten into school, and then now mm-hmm. they're 
like okay well you still have to help How me like, yeah, I'm freaking out what do I do um and so they'll they'll definitely yeah. come with with questions about you know what to study and how to how to feel prepared I get a lot of the ones of you know that imposter syndrome of mm-hmm. I, I you know don't feel like I can do it or you know I'm trying so hard I feel like I'm not getting things and just a lot of reassurance that that is completely normal and I feel like the majority of PA students go through that and I saw it with myself and I saw it with my class and I've seen it with other classes that go and help with my program um where you have that transition period like you were saying like figuring out how you're going to study figuring out who your people are it's so different than anything else it's so different than undergrad mm-hmm. it's, it's just not you can't prepare someone I can't tell you what to expect you got to get in it and then realize those things for yourself and figure out how to navigate it um yeah yeah and I know for our for me like I had an advisor one of our faculty members who was just so helpful for me and so that's what I tell people I'm like use your faculty use your advisors like they are there for you because I would mm-hmm. go to her whenever I was kind of in the trenches and feeling like I you know wasn't going to be able to climb out of it um to get her use her experience and use her insights Mm -hmm. and that mentor person um and it was so helpful and I think so like that's one thing that I think is also hard like when you look at program websites all this stuff starts running together like it all they Mm -hmm. all start to look the same like the missions kind of sound the same the Mm -hmm. curriculums are kind of the same like what do you is there anything that you feel like students just love about your program or that stands out that people may not necessarily get from looking at the website or would want to know about yeah um I do agree with you I think a lot of them sound the same and um it's easy to say that we care about underserved and giving back and all these things that all of us strive to do so we we took it a step further at Point Loma and said you know let's put it in our curriculum so it's not an option of we know you come in caring about all these things and you have volunteer hours, we're going to keep doing that throughout PA school too. And so there's mandatory volunteer, which is interesting, mandatory volunteer, (laughs) but um, having them go out and experience the community in, in ways that they haven't yet, maybe make them uncomfortable because once you get into the emergency room working after you graduate, it can be quite a shock of, um, wait, I did not sign up to take care of X, Y, Z, all of this. Um, when, when we could do a better job, I think of, of training clinicians to have some empathy and compassion while in school. So we do things, uh, we have a whole three weeks, we call it a service month in the didactic year where students are paired one-on-one with an organization in San Diego to, to work with all sorts of populations, refugee, immigrants, sex trafficking, um, tortured victims. Like we have somebody that works with a lawyer, the, lots of unsheltered, you know, populations. Mm-hmm. We're lucky at, in San Diego to work. We're a border town, so we're borderlands, and we um, have access to a lot of um, disparities. And so, not only learning from it, a textbook, we're we're taking it a step further and going, okay, now you've learned about this, go out and experience what the, you know, Somali refugees are experiencing. Go out and experience what um, what it looks like to live unsheltered and how hard it is to take medicine that is refrigerated. Where do you put it? 
um, working on street teams, you know, street medicine has become a reality here. It's become a paid job and working on some of those teams going, what do I do with all these challenges that I learned? This is how you treat this. And it's not working in the field. Yeah. Um, so I really, really like that about our program. Our program director was, was amazing at supporting the vision that we all had to, um, to keep students in a service arena. And, um, the students have really responded well too. It's been fun to see them learn in sometimes areas where they're like, why are you putting me here? Um, and then going back to, to, to volunteer in these places of domestic violence and all of this, um, working with our city and um, state attorneys like on you know issues and uh, some of them got to do some really cool projects with our elected officials. And so, and that helps PA's word world get out into yeah. our community. What's a PA? Who are you? Why are you helping? So um, that's been really fun. And clinical opportunities have come out of that also. So we, um, I really value that at Point Loma. And then students have really liked the small class size too, which I know is not unique, just our program. Yeah. Um, but they've, they've liked the family feel of Point Loma um especially so we're also one other thing that's a little different than what i learned is we're a symptom-based program so you come in and so we teach from patient has a cough instead of going instead of the objectives reading um you know all the things with pulmonary it's like oh this the patient comes in with wheezing what could these be patient comes into a cough what could this be kind of mirroring clinical like patient comes in with whatever What's your differential? It's not all in neurology. If it's dizziness, it can be lots of things. So yeah, that's been, would you been consider, great. We've had great feedback. Is that the same as problem-based learning or is that a little different? It is. Problem-based learning is more of um, like in groups. And we do have case-based problem-based okay. learning too, a little bit separate from our lectures. So our, our lectures and, and um, faculty-guided instruction is more symptom-based and then we have case-based learning too where they're working through Cases an actual different. patient yeah interesting I feel like that would encourage way more uh critical thinking than what we call death by powerpoint where yeah you're saying there it's like this is bronchitis here's the, the the signs and symptoms this is the diagnostic test this is the treatment right okay. yes cool. Let's move on yes <laughs> um yeah. we a lot of that uh, yeah. a little bit of a problem based. And that's awesome. Well, yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing in your time. And I think, yeah. you know, hearing kind of some of those insights about the program and especially the, the background of academics, I think is really helpful to helping, helping students kind of understand what all goes into a PA program that they may not, may not really know about, uh, when they're looking at all of these, these different options. Um, so I think this yeah. is you're helpful to share. Um, and oh, yeah, it's not recording my sign. Um, but yeah, and if we can ever, you know, help get the word out about your program, I mean, I'm sure you get plenty of applications, but if y'all are doing anything, trying to get info sessions or whatever, like, please let me know. Yeah. And share a lot of our, a lot of our students are California. Um, just, That's great. I mean, the big, big I'm, I'm blown away by the, the, the caliber of applicants we get they're amazing and oh, so yeah. all of you listening I mean I didn't do this before PA school so it's great for people to be 
investing in yourself to get more help, to become more professional, to, to make your application look great. Um, you can't go wrong getting a coach and somebody to walk alongside um, a journey that feels overwhelming at times. So. And you said something earlier too about current students too and their um, confidence level and the imposter syndrome. And that also happens. We have lots of those, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. There's a balance of like that confidence. And if you're overconfident, I think we're going to miss things and you're going to have a wake up call that might involve patient safety in the future. Or, you know, of course, if you're not confident enough, we need to boost you up. But there is that weird in between of feeling like I know my limits, but I'm also very confident in what I know. Um, and that comes when you graduate and, and start working too. I had one of my first bosses told me, watch out because you're really confident right now. You want to do everything. You want to run the this and that and um, take all the difficult patients. And you feel like you know a lot and you do, but you don't have the experience yet. And all of a sudden around five to seven years of being a PA, you realize how much you don't know, which is ironic because then all of a sudden you have years under you. Um, he's like, it's coming. And it does, it comes and you go, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. Oh, yeah. I, I have limitations. I've seen bad outcomes. I've had hard things happen. So um, it's okay to feel in an in-between space. Sometimes yeah. that, um, that discomfort pushes you into a, a good space. So. Yeah, we talk about that yeah. a lot, like knowing what you don't know. Uh, and and I, I try to tell people, even though I've been doing it nine years now, I graduated in 2014. Um, yeah. Like, I, even even when I, there are times when I know what it is, I'm, I'm pretty confident, but I will still bring my collaborating physician in and just, you know, get her, her, you know, reassurance that I'm on the right track, even if it's something I feel mm. pretty good about, just um, to provide better patient care. I mean, if, if I have any inkling of a question, it's not going to hurt anything to do that. So, and sometimes we also just like to put our heads together on interesting cases, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that's the, the, uh, kind of humbling thing about medicine is realizing that you will never know everything ever. Like there's always something new, um, and after you've been in it a while to seeing how medicine changes and having to keep up with it, like there's always something new going on. So it's true. Yeah. It's but it's true. fun. Mm. Keep it fun. <laughs> Keeps it interesting. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aww. Well, thank you so much. And we'll put um, all the information about Point Loma in the description of the episode too. So everybody can, can find out more about the program and That's great. Get what you guys are doing. That's great. We'd love yeah. to have anyone interested. Check us out. So. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm sure you'll have plenty of people, um, kind of looking looking into it, and yeah, looking to. I think the more hear, hearing directly from the programs is something a lot of students just feel like they don't they don't know how to reach out or they don't mm -hmm. they just don't do it because they are scared. I'm like don't mm -hmm. be scared just do it um but they're kind of scared so I'm like the more we can just share about different programs and kind of help people find the best fit we'll try to get get the word out that's great well thank you for everything you do and for yeah. having me and thank you for agreeing to give up some of your time and um I'll send you the links and everything once once we post
Okay. Sounds awesome. great. Have a good rest of your week. Thank you. All right. You too, Savannah. Thanks. Bye.